There's like a whole separate movie about the relationship with the cinematographer. Her name is Egola Bolotoba. She came from Kazakhstan. I did this program called the Asian Film Academy in Korea, where I met a director who'd worked with her. And I remember seeing the short films and I've never seen Kazakhstan before. I've never been there. But I remember watching these short films and being like, this is like the most beautiful cinema I've ever seen. Right. And just yeah. like shocked by the like the visual sophistication. And it was also really important to have, because I feel like the director's role is there is to drive performance and to bring the team together. And the DP is really the eye of the world. It's really the lens into the world. So for me, I really wanted the lens to be someone who identified as female. And so, you know, we, we found a goal who's this incredibly gifted female cinematographer who was willing to come to Pakistan during peak COVID to make an indie film, which is like super rare. And then there was a revolution that was happening in Kazakhstan the week that she was supposed to fly out. So there was no internet and no way to reach her and no way to get, we had to like smuggle her out of the country. Oh um, via, like I, it was, it was a whole thing. We got her out of the country. We got her into Pakistan. And I was just so happy when she arrived in the country and I'm like, you made it. Like I was at the airport, like gifting her flowers. Um, oh my God. And, and like, wow. that was the first time we met, you know? And <laughs> like, uh, I don't speak Kazakh or Russian. She doesn't speak Urdu and her English is also like good, but not like, you know, but we ended up bonding over cinema and films and watching movies together and finding what our connective tissue was with films, which is my favorite thing about cinema and also food. Welcome to First Time Go. I'm Benjamin Duchek. That's Rawar Khan talking about his cinematographer, Egol Nurbulatavo, for his new film, In Flames. I'll repeat this a couple times in the episode, but In Flames is a masterpiece. The shooting, the direction, the storytelling. I had to watch a couple times to pick up on the nuances of the shots and the amazing direction. We talk about when it will screen. It's showing at the Palm Springs International Film Festival the weekend of January 6, 2024. So if you're listening to this when the episode premieres, you can go buy a ticket, watch this film tomorrow. This is a film you'll want to see a couple times. It streams globally in April 2024. Our conversation winds from the warmth of Pakistan, the beauty of In Flames, the importance of hotel partners to indie filmmakers, who knew, crowdfunding, and how the independent film community can support filmmakers that elevate the genre in a true art. I feel so proud and lucky to have the conversation with somebody that's actively making independent film better. I hope you enjoy this episode, and truly, seriously, go see In Flames. Good day, Zarar Khan, writer, director of the film In Flames. How are you today? Good. Yeah, it's a sunny day here in Toronto, so I'm excited that we have the sun out. <laughs> is it rare to have a sunny day in Toronto? Or is it mostly like dark at like 4 p.m. and all, it's all that? Dreary? Great couple of days. I'm not gonna lie. So today, like everyone's on the streets because it's like, oh my god, you know, get some vitamin D. <laughs> what about you? Where are you calling from? So I'm in Washington D.C. It's a sunny day here as well. Heading to Fargo, North Dakota this for Christmas, which as a warm weather guy, kind of not looking forward to it. But as uh, as you know, like, you know, anything in the United States that you think is cold, like, let's go north and you can find it a little colder. So God yeah, love you up there. It's not too far from Fargo. So it's pretty cold over there right now. <laughs> That's all is I it, would say. It, 
has it been a big climate adjustment? So you grew up in Karachi, Pakistan. Is that a big climate adjustment for you? I grew up between Pakistan and Canada. Like my family kind of flip-flopped every five years. But for the last 10 years, I was in Karachi. So it has the last year of being back in Canada has been like, wow, how did I survive this? Um, (laughs) But this year has been like unseasonably warm so far. So I don't know. Let's see. You know, I think climate change is for all of us and we're seeing it right now. (laughs) For all us warm weather lovers. So how did you get involved in filmmaking? I was always attracted to storytelling from like a young age. I used to make like my own fan fiction comic books. And then I got into theater initially. And I trained in theater in my undergrad, which was, you know, much to the happiness of my immigrant parents. And then I set up a theater company in Pakistan and Karachi, and we were staging independent productions and touring with them. And at the end of one of my plays that was touring in the capital, Islamabad, I kind of just realized that the feeling that a lot of theater kids really love is, you know, the ethereal ethereal nature of theater, that like when it's done, it's done, and you're never going to capture that magic again. And that was something I like in my bones hated. Like I was like, I want to watch and experience this time and time again. And so I kind of ended up gravitating towards cinema. And then I started learning the ropes of cinema by making short films with my theater friends and learning how this medium is so vastly different in many ways from theater. And, you know, I say short films was my like training of cinema because with each of those films, I learned something new. I I learned a different aspect of it. I, I remember I made one rock and roll musical set in the 70s in Karachi and I learned how expensive period work is <laughs> and like <laughs> it right. the wardrobe and 70s hair which was a nightmare but you know it really also not only was I learning the craft but I was also learning the kind of stories that I'm attracted to and the kind of stories that inspired me and my process and you know the process of making films is so different from one filmmaker to the next so I learned what attracts me about it. And, you know, it helped me put me on the journey of creating in flames. Wow. So that really offers some great insight to in flames, I think. And I'll let you talk about it. But on my watch, first watch, I had to watch it again, simply, I think, to catch the all the different nuances about the film. And now that you've sort of shared your experience about filmmaking and and the arts, it makes sense that perhaps you might make things a little bit more complicated or a little bit harder to grasp on one watch simply because, you know, that's the kind of cinema that you like. Does that, does that resonate a little bit? That is the kind of cinema that I like. I like exploring and learning things through films and rewatching movies, you know, and discovering something new time and time again. Like one of my favorite films is Bertolucci's The Conformist, which is like, it's this incredible film that's speaking about like the Italian political system, but also talking about gender roles and also talking about like machismo. And it's a film I've gone back to time and time again to rewatch. Another one of my touchstone films is Satyajit Ray's The Big City, which is this, again, a film that's speaking about gender roles, but speaking about capitalism in a very real way. So I like films that are like dense, you know? Like cinema that's like deeply layered really attracts me to the media. Wow, that's so amazing. So can you talk a little bit about In Flames and what people should expect to see when they watch it? 
I would, I would, so it's a mother-daughter story set in Karachi, Pakistan, about a family that loses kind of the last layer of patriarchal protection that they have and how they survive in the society while they're fighting against demons, both real and phantasmal. So that's kind of my elevator pitch. I would, ex what I tell audiences is like, expect the unexpected. Don't expect just one type of film because it is genre bending is how I describe it. It borrows from many different genres, coming of age, romance, a family drama, a psychological thriller, a horror, it's kind of all of these things put together. So I would say expect the unexpected in terms of the film. Completely. And I loved it. I, like I said, I watched it a couple times on the second time. I appreciate it the first time, but on the second time I saw a few things that I hadn't seen the first time and just thought this is a, such a deep, well-layered film. And I am so excited for people to be able to watch it. It's truly amazing. So w was the story with you for a while? Was it something that you wanted to write about when you were growing up and you had it and then you finally, you know, gathered the skill sets to be able to make it in, in relations with the vision that you had for it? I guess sort of. Like in 2018, I made my first, I call it my first short film, but it was the first film of mine that like really traveled and it was selected at the Locarno Film Festival. It was called Bia. And it was in some ways like this, like it was about a family that's dealing with grief and trauma, but the underlying emotion is there's this real fear and anxiety that you feel for this family that's kind of like on the edge of how are they going to survive. And after that short, I made like five or six more short films, but I was always wanting to go back to the world of that family because it felt like I knew it really well like deeply and also that fear was something i wanted to explore because especially in south asian society i think globally you know family is really a pillar that we usually see as a place of refuge from the world but it's like what happens when you know family is a place of violence of a place of uncertainty of you know how do we keep our home our home so I, I knew I wanted to return to the world and in my life and in Pakistan and in the world, a lot of like interesting things were happening. And when I say interesting, I actually mean terrible, but the Pakistan women's rights movement was in its third year. There was greater violence from far right towards that movement. Roe versus Wade was being overturned in Iran. The women life movement was also happening and it really felt like there was a lot of overlaps in the systems of oppression. And it felt like this film needed to be made to speak about those systems, but also speak about the very deep-rooted horror and what it feels like to be on the receiving end of that system. So those kind of things converge from both an intimate as well as kind of a larger palette that really drove me to want to tell this film as my first film. Wow. That's so amazing. So are you surprised that this has gone through the process of becoming Pakistan's official nominee for the Oscars? Is that something that you are like, wow, you know, that's going to make a huge difference for women's rights and system change in Pakistan? I'm like, I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I'm honored. It feels like a lot of pressure. Whenever something good happens to me, I'm like, oh, no, under pressure. Right. Um, 
But I, yeah, it's been a wild ride this last month, just promoting the film. We were doing screenings across the states. We were doing Q and A's, meeting with some really incredible people, and who can see that kind of reflection in their own lives of the struggles of these characters, which is really something I was hoping for. I hope it shines a light, and what I'm really hoping it can do is Pakistan's going through a film renaissance in a lot of ways. You know, this is our second year at Cannes in the history of the country. That like we just won a big prize at Red Sea. It's the first time that's ever happened. So I'm hoping, you know, if this whole Oscar thing works out, what it can do is shine a light on women's rights, but also really support the industry and encourage filmmakers in Pakistan to keep telling stories. Amazing. So the film is also shot beautifully. And I was taken aback by your use of darkness. There's several moments where it's completely black. You just hear dialogue that convey deeper meaning in the story. And it's a subtle film. Like I said, you have to watch it at least twice to catch all the things that are going on. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with the cinematographer and how the beautiful shots came to be? There's like a whole separate movie about the relationship with the cinematographer. Her name is Egol Mbolotoba. She came from Kazakhstan. I did this program called the Asian Film Academy in Korea, where I met a director who'd worked with her. And I remember seeing the short films and I've never seen Kazakhstan before. I've never been there. But I remember watching these short films and being like, this is like the most beautiful cinema I've ever seen. Right. And just like shocked by the, like the visual sophistication. And it was also really important to have, because I feel like the director's role is there is to drive performance and to bring the team together. And the DP is really the eye of the world. It's really the lens into the world. So for me, I really wanted the lens to be someone who identified as female. And so, you know, we ha- we found a goal who's this incredibly gifted female cinematographer who was willing to come to Pakistan during peak COVID to make an indie film, which is like super rare. And then... There was a revolution that was happening in Kazakhstan the week that she was supposed to fly out. So there was no internet and no way to reach her and no way to get, we had to like smuggle her out of the country oh um, via like, I, it was, it was a whole thing. We got her out of the country. We got her into Pakistan. And I was just so happy when she arrived in the country and I'm like, you made it. Like I was at the airport, like gifting her flowers. Oh my God. And, and like, wow. that was the first time we met, you know, and like, <laughs> I don't speak Kazakh or Russian. She doesn't speak Urdu and her English is also like good, but not like, you know, but we ended up bonding over cinema and films and watching movies together and finding what our connective tissue was with films, which is my favorite thing about cinema and also food. (laughs) So we did like, you know, a tour of the city and me showing her all the places that mean so much to me and how we can capture them to really give a sense of the place and give the sense of the place in relation to these characters. You know, when you talk about the black, it's it's also a dusky black. We go, tr- we never go true, true black because there's always a light bleed because it's this urban, densely urban space. So it was kind of refining our language and letting the locations imbue that as well as the psychology of the characters. So we shoot a lot in really wides for isolation. And then we shoot a lot in really these extreme close-ups where the wide is like the palette of our incredible actors, Ramisha and and Bafdawar, and the wide is their expressions. And it was kind of the contrast of that that created the visual palette 
this like heightened psychology of them. Wow, that's such an amazing story. I never imagined that that the beauty that I saw on screen took so much trust and effort between because you know she was coming and going through all that and she had never met you before that that's just an amazing amount of trust and it really show the beauty really shows on the screen so it's so I, when i did some research on the film i noticed it initially was referred to sort of as a horror film and you mentioned earlier genre bending which i completely agree with has that been a challenge to market because you've not only got sort of like international film which I think poses some challenges, but then, you know, genre explaining people are expecting like horror film and expecting like certain blood and guts, maybe who knows, has that been sort of a challenge? Like how do we explain a, a gender bending film? I mean, yes, it has been a challenge. It was a challenge to raise financing for it as well, because it wasn't fitting neatly into a box. I mean, for me, the cinema that I admire does it fit really neatly into a box into the confines of a certain type of genre. And when it comes to marketing, we found the film plays better with audiences if they're not going in expecting a pure horror movie, because then they're going to be let down. You know, like this is not that film. This is a film that has horror beats, but is also a larger reflection of a society and combining different aspects. But that's also coming from like, a lot of the filmmakers who I admire are doing that. And I think that cinema needs to be reinvented as our audiences get smarter. You know, like for me as a viewer, the films that excite me are the ones that are trying something new. A film like Titan by Julia DeCarnot, I loved. It's a body horror film. It's also a really sweet father-daughter movie. So, you know, like, and like, it's kind of pushing the limits of like what cinema can be. And I felt that way with Jordan Peele's Nope as well, where it's this cowboy sci-fi Western alien movie, you know? So those are the films that keep me really excited because I'm like, oh, they're trying something new. Because I feel like we're living in a time where we have so many, we have access to more incredible stories than ever in order to keep our audience engaged, like you need to surprise them. And I like to be surprised, you know, and ultimately like as the writer, director, editor, production designer on this movie, I wore a lot of hats. <laughs> I'm the one watching the film like thousands of times, you know? So if I can't sit well with it, knowing that I tried to do something new and tried to be brave with the film, like then what's the point of it, you know? So like, I say my first audience is me. And if I can find like-minded people and we have, cause and I think we were able to find those people. Uh, it's definitely been a journey. Absolutely. And that I, I love that comment so much. So one of the things that really bothers me is seeing people attack short films, like somehow, you know, you need to make a feature who cares about shorts. You hear that kind of thing. And you hear people almost like discouraging people from making art. Like it should be just, like, do you love it? And if the answer is yes, then put it out in the world. Why does it matter to anyone else? Like, I know, you know, market, money, all that. But it shouldn't matter to you personally whether anyone else sees your vision if you don't love it. Exactly. And, like, also, you're the one who's often selling it constantly and getting people on board your vision to be like, I will, like, I will do the design. I'll act in it. I'll, you know, I'll put in some money. I'll do post-production. So if I can love it, I can sell it and get other people invested in the film. But like, I hate people who shit on shorts because I'm like, man, shorts is like where you get to 
play with like your crayons for the first time. Like I know people who've gone straight to features and I'm like, and A, those are people who are super blessed financially to do that. Right. But exactly. also I'm like, I think you would have benefited from, you know, playing with this when it was like kind of a raw clay because it would have allowed you to like refine your vision. It's also, it's more freeing than a feature because there's so much pressure with the feature to succeed. Exactly. So you're a trailblazer in a lot of ways. This is a first in terms of a film for Pakistani cinema, for the Canadian Talent Fund, for Michael Budget Program. That's a lot of people and cultures to represent. How can you, like if there's a kid in Karachi listening to this right now, how can you be help lead number two and number three and you know others from that who who may look at your what you've been able to do and say how do i follow that man i'm the guy who's like go make a short film like <laughs> let's make a short film together you have an idea for this great star trek star wars like 80 billion dollar movie let's tell it in one scene you know and if that works then we're and so i set up a fellowship in pakistan to create one short fiction film and fully finance it with my producing partner. So we're doing that. And in Toronto, I'm working with a nonprofit that produces short films from people from marginalized communities. So I'm very pro making short. You know, it's like I've made, I've EP'd three short films this year. That's the role I'm taking in these projects to help people from both Canada and Pakistan create work and tell stories and amplify communities who wouldn't have the resources that being said, I also often go to like film schools and do talkbacks. And over there, the struggle is really like, what is my voice? You know, and I think that's something you can only figure out by doing it. I can't fully express how much I love that. I mean, like you're not only saying, hey, I, you know, wish more people would do this, but you're actually putting your money down to support the cause. That's like, I think the best thing I've heard all month, maybe all year. That's uh, that's that's amazing. How did you get to be give back like that? Where did that instinct come from? I don't know. I feel like I've benefited a lot from people being generous with me, and I want to that just continue. Like the like one of the biggest people who like beyond Telefilm who've been amazing, and they like you know once we got into Cannes, they were like we are going to support this film. And once we got into the Oscars, like California, Canada, like we're going to support this film. We know Pakistan has limited resources. So I've benefited from so many incredible people. One of the big ways that we were able to make in flames was we got a hotel partner. And this guy who owns this hotel put us up, our whole team, for 30 days. Interesting. You know, and like otherwise we wouldn't have been able to make that film because we couldn't afford to house everyone. And like that goes such a long way when you're bringing in a team from Kazakhstan, from Canada, from all over Pakistan. Like having a roof over your head and a hot shower changes the game, you know? So I've benefited from so many people supporting my career, believing that I have a vision and I wouldn't be here without that support. And I just want to make sure that the next generation of artists also has that support. That's truly amazing. So I think one of the biggest hurdles for filmmakers, even making that short, is fundraising. Do you have any thoughts on like crowdfunding? We do a lot of interviews with people on Seed and Spark, some Kickstarter, not to name names, but there's a lot of crowdfunding sites out there. Do you think like what kind of film would you bring to you know a crowdfunding site? Do you think it needs to be like an authentic voice type that has to be a component of it? What are your thoughts on fundraising for film? 
I've done a lot of that. I've done a lot of crowdfunding. I've done Indiegogo. I've done Kickstarter. I think it's a good way to raise money for shorter projects because film is such an expensive medium. I think, but I also think in order to raise money on those platforms, you have to be doing something that's highly topical because that's kind of how you can break through the noise. Or you need to have attached like a high level EP or someone who's famous, who's a conversation starter, because otherwise it's really hard to break the noise. Like I remember when I did my first Kickstarter campaign, like I found so many tutorials for how to run a successful Kickstarter and like literally followed that to a T and it worked. You know, we, we raised a little bit of money, like enough to make a decent short film. We raised like $8,000 and this was in 2016, 2016, you know, um, I recognize the space has gotten more crowded now. Um, I don't think it's the best space to make up, to raise money for a feature. I know initiatives like Seed and Spark are a very different trajectory, but for anyone who thinks like, oh, I have a great idea and I'm just going to do a Kickstarter. As you know, there's so much work that goes into making a cohesive crowdfunding plan. But I think the films that succeed are the ones that are really seeking to right now, to some like hot button issue that's now. So I am so excited to share In Flames. I really want people to go out and see it. What's the process like for that? When should, if somebody's listening to this and be like, man, they described this awesome film, I want to go out and see it. What's the process over the next few months for people to be able to see it? We're playing at Palm Springs in January 6th and 7th. So if anyone's going to be there, please come out. And then we'll be releasing across the world in April. Okay. Awesome. That's fantastic. And so this was an extraordinary first feature. I can't, it's hard even to put into words like how amazing it is. And then the words first feature. And I think it goes to the experience that you have it's not as if you just picked up the camera for the first time and be like, I'm going to make this feature. It really shows on the screen what all the work that you've put in into filmmaking. So I'm excited to hear what's next for you. I'm reading a lot of scripts. I'm developing my own project as well. It's about climate change, <laughs> which I feel like it's about the bridge between climate change in Pakistan and Canada, both countries that are deeply affected in their own ways, as is the States. And it's also, again, like it's coming of age. It's also a climate apocalypse movie. So it is in that genre bending world. And yeah, I'm, I'm reading some really incredible scripts that are hard to define. So I'm looking forward to creating cinema that continues to, I guess, surprise and excite and push the boundaries of the medium as much as I can. Amazing. So this is a filmmaker's podcast. I love to support all projects, especially creators who have other people that they'd like to highlight. Is there a film that you wish more people knew about or a director? Yeah, there's a short film I'm going to highlight right now. It's available on Vimeo. It's called Diaspora. It's by my buddy and neighbor. He lives behind me. His name is Tyler Evans. It was at TIFF in 2024, and he's an incredible talent. And I want more people to see this short film. Awesome. I'll link it in the show notes. Through Archon, this was amazing. I love the film. And somehow talking with you was even better than the film, if that if that was possible. I mean, so many great stories here. It was just an amazing conversation. I learned a lot about your process and a lot of the hard work that went into the film. And I think it really shows on the screen. So I'm so grateful to you for joining me on the First Time Go podcast. 
Thank you so much, Benjamin. It was a huge pleasure to talk to you as well. And thank you for supporting independent cinema. Thanks for listening to the First Time Go podcast. The goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators. So if you're with me for that, please give the podcast a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. It's free and helps expand the reach for the creators on the show. Expanded membership is available through Directors Club. You get access to season one, early episodes when available, and other subscription benefits. Sign up now through Red Circle. The link is in the show notes. Check out the podcast YouTube channel if you'd like to watch a select number of episodes of the podcast and the indie film highlight posted every Sunday. Thanks again for listening and helping creators get their first time go.